0: Welcome to the First Naz Podcast. Today is Pentecost Sunday, the day that Jesus provides us with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's listen in as Pastor Paul preaches on this amazing day from John chapter 7. Okay, springtime is here. Uh, it is time to get outside, right? Like we, our, our numbers are a little down today because like the world is camping. The world is is out outside enjoying nature uh, this this weekend. One of my favorite natural features of our area, something that I've done uh, on a number of Memorial Days, is visit some of the high mountain springs in the blues just to our southwest in, in the southeast corner of Washington. The, the blue mountains have this incredible, I've, I don't know that there are a lot of areas in the world that have this feature, but in the blues, there happen to be uh, like a, a whole bunch of ridgetop springs. They're, they're these, these naturally occurring springs. Water is flowing out of them, and they just seem impossibly high in elevation because, like, my limited understanding of this is that the snows melt and the rain soaks in, and there's, like, some sort of, like, aquifer, like the loose, loosely packed rock that holds on to water, and and then it finds the the path of least resistance and escapes in one spot and becomes a spring, and it just seems impossible to me that there is like my favorite one is Oregon Butte Oregon Butte Spring Oregon Butte is uh, the highest point in southwestern southeastern Washington here, and there's actually an active uh, a lookout that the Forest Service hires somebody to, to stay in and watch fires. They show up in about June, and they stay through the fire season watching for fires and calling them in to, to firefighters. And so it's, it's, a, it's the highest point, it's 6,300 feet, over over 6,300 feet, and, and one of the only reasons that they can have someone there through the summer is that just a few hundred feet below the very highest point there is a spring, uh, Oregon Butte spring. And so a lot of lot of memorial days I've done a hike where I, I end up on, on top of Oregon Butte and and go by that spring. And then on Memorial Day, right now, that spring is like gushing. The the Forest Service has done some developing. There's some pipe and a trough and and uh, it's it's kind of cool. And and that spring, like it'll fill a bottle just like that. It's it is gushing. But then our family has, has been there in in the late summer, going into early fall, and at that time of year, the, the spring is down to just like a trickle, and the, the lady that has, has been in that lookout a couple of times that we've been there, she'll just like leave containers uh, with the pipe just like dripping into the containers for her water because it takes a long time. Because uh, it just, you know, and, and that's sort of the natural the natural way things things go in our world. But that one's amazing to me because it's like not not hardly any space above it that snow could melt and, and get into the aquifer for the... And somebody can correct me, like, I'm sure I'm just an idiot and I just don't understand why it works the way it does. It's probably bigger than I understand. But that's, you know, my limited understanding is... Like that much space, that much snow melts in and and comes out the spring through the course of the year and 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 so it's uh it's just it 's kind of amazing um, and in our part of the country right now we 're just like abundant with water aren 't we like if you have paid attention at all to the rivers over this last week, man, they are just raging earlier in this week there was like an entire forest was like floating down the Snake River. It, there was so much debris and so many logs floating down, and, and so much, and, and so streams and rivers are running high. The springs are are just you know pouring out. And and I, I love this time of year, but we're so blessed with the seasons that we have, right? Like the ebb and the flow of of our our weather and our and our climate and creation. Uh, we have the springtime when the waters rise, when when green things flourish, and and life just seems to be bursting out everywhere. And and then we we will inevitably get into the to the heat of summer, and all the snow will melt, and those rivers that are raging right now will become quite a bit more mellow, and crops will ripen, and uh, and. It, it, it will be a different sort of beauty as the green turns to brown on the hills around us, and and we're just like we're so blessed to to live in in this area that God like, you know God God particularly blessed like our little valley I think, um, so we we are now in the springtime and springtime. Not only does it take us camping, it brings, in the church year, it brings Easter and then Pentecost, and, and today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is is the day that we remember the story of Acts chapter 2, and in Acts chapter 2, the disciples were huddled in the upper room in Jerusalem, praying, just like Jesus had told them, 50 days after, after Passover, uh, Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. And, and uh, they say it sounded like a rushing wind coming through like a tornado. It sounded like a freight train coming into the room as the Holy Spirit descended on jesus 's followers and and it looked like tongues of flame uh, coming down to rest on the heads of the men and women who were there and and they rushed out of the room as if the Holy Spirit had set them on fire to preach about Jesus and and they started preaching in the streets in languages they had never studied languages they didn't know and and there were they they caused a ruckus in in the city of Jerusalem it was it was so much happening that people left their homes left where they were staying and they came out to to see what these crazy Jesus followers were doing and and people from all over the known world were in Jerusalem for the festival of Pentecost and and they they heard the gospel of Jesus preached in languages that they knew from their lives out and about. And they looked at these followers of Jesus, these people from Galilee. And the people from Galilee, they're a little backwoodsy. They're not world travelers. They have no business speaking the languages from all over the known world. And and so these people, they take notice and and they say, "How, how is this happening? And Peter... Peter, seeing the, the opportunity that was laid before him by the power of the Holy Spirit, preached the message of the gospel and, and told the people who were in Jerusalem uh, about Jesus and, and in a way and with clarity that Peter never had in his entire life. Peter had followed behind Jesus for three years, and he couldn't articulate the message of Jesus this clearly until the Holy Spirit fell on him and gave him the clarity to do it. And so the the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost gives, gives God's people clarity and power and authority to speak the message of Jesus unlike they had ever experienced before. And so today we celebrate that gift. We celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit being given to the church and really we we celebrate because this the gift has been given to the church. We are the church. Without the Holy Spirit, the the church, we we just we would flounder. We we would we would be trying to do a, all of this on our own power, and and we we wouldn't have much success. And and so today we celebrate we celebrate Pentecost. And I'm I'm taking us to to Matthew or to John chapter seven. to to tell you about the day of Pentecost because Jesus, during his ministry, during his earthly ministry, he he talked in in John chapter 7 about how it would be when the Holy Spirit would be given to the church. And so I'm going to give you just a little bit of background on on John chapter 7. John chapter 7 begins with a festival, a Jewish religious festival that uh, happened in the fall time uh, it, we we know it as the Festival of Booths or the Festival of Shelters. Uh, the the Hebrew name is Sukkot. It's kind of fun to say. You can say it if you'd like. Sukkot. Uh, Sukkot was a festival when the people remembered God's provision and care for for the children of Israel when they traveled through through the wilderness in the exile after they had left Egypt and their slavery. And and so they they did that by building what they called booths or, or what we like translate as calling booths. They would take natural material sticks and palms, and they would like use grasses to make a thatched roof and and build this little structure, and they would sleep in it for a week. They would live in it for a week, and uh, and the as the as the festival like developed through time, and and as the tradition evolved different things happened during during uh, Sukkot during the festival of booths and one of the things that happened in the temple in Jerusalem was that every day during during the festival for the whole week of the festival a priest would take a golden pitcher and he would go to one of the fountains or one of the pools in Jerusalem he would take a pitcher full of water he would he would walk into the to the temple go to the altar and he would pour out the water as as like a sacrifice to God. And the imagery is is really complex and, and multifaceted. It's it's kind of an interesting it's an interesting symbol because it's it's a reminder of God's just provision of water in in the desert and and like thanksgiving. In a culture where drinking water is, is at a premium, we don't get this because we wash our cars with drinking water, but in a, in a culture where drinking water is at a premium, it is a true sacrifice and gift to, to take a pitcher of, of drinking water and pour it out in, in God's presence. And so it's sort of this, this gift to God, this sacrifice, this offering to the Lord to, to pour out uh, good drinking water but it's also it's also maybe tied up scholars think that it maybe is tied up specifically with with that rock in the wilderness. remember early on in in uh, Israel's wandering in the wilderness, Moses struck a rock and water came pouring out and and scholars think maybe it has something to do with that, maybe it's like part of a reminder of that specifically, but then also because it's it's in the fall time this this festival. And it's, uh, Sukkot always happened during, like, the grape and olive harvest for, for God's people. And so while, while this was happening, while, the, while the, uh, the, the festival was happening in the harvest time, this offering would be, like, a way of asking God to, hey, remember, we're coming up on a new growing season here pretty soon, God. Uh, we will need rain. And so, God, if you could just, like, remember remember us. And so they would pour out water for that. And so on the last day of the festival, the, this water ritual, it wasn't done just once, but at, on the seventh day, it was done seven times, it's like sort of biblical rhythm, like in the story of Joshua and the Battle of Jericho, you know, one, one time every day, and then on the seventh day, seven times. And so scholars think that it was probably after this ritual, on the seventh day of the, of the festival, that Jesus raised his voice and and we 're going to read his words in just a minute, but just backing up, Jesus was a little leery of showing up in in Jerusalem for this festival. Jesus was just a little bit he was a little hesitant uh, he, his His conflict with the religious leaders it was coming to a head, and as John tells the story it 's only six months later that he 's crucified. By those very religious leaders that maybe he was trying to avoid by not showing up in Jerusalem for this festival, but Jesus does come to to Jerusalem for the festival midway through and and after he came the the controversy and the stir in, in Jerusalem it just it rises to to a boiling point. And people are asking one another, "Who is Jesus?" And the crowds, like the the people, the you and I of the of the of Jerusalem in those days, they they were trying to figure it out. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, this is the Messiah that we've been waiting for. No, he's he's a prophet. Or no, no, he's just crazy. There's no way. And and the religious leaders were sure that, yes, he's crazy, but not only is he, he's not just crazy, he is dangerously crazy. And the religious leaders wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And amid this conflict and striving to understand who, who Jesus is, at the, at the climactic end of this festival, as everyone's focus is, is attuned to the, to the heart of the temple and around the altar, Jesus stands up and he shouts at the crowds. And so we'll, we'll, read, uh, we'll read what he shouts here in, in John chapter 7, and this is verses 37 through, through 39. It says, on the last day at the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him but the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered his glory so so Jesus steals all of the attention like there there was just this vacuum drawing everyone's attention to this to this water ritual that was happening at the heart of the temple and 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 Jesus steps into this vacuum and shouts out this message and and People are debating who Jesus is. People are trying to figure out what is going on with this dude Jesus from Galilee. Why why are people following him? Who is he? He could have said he could have said all kinds of things. He had everyone's attention. He could have said, uh, folks, I am the Messiah. I am the one you're waiting for. I have a different kind of message than maybe you're expecting. It's just going to be a little different. The kingdom's not going to be like this big triumphal thing, kicking the Romans out. It's going to be different. Uh, he he could have very clearly explained his plan, his ministry, who he was. He could have cleared up all of the doubts. There were questions like, isn't the Messiah supposed to be born in Bethlehem, but this guy's from from Galilee, from Nazareth, and he could have said, um, just by a strange thing, remember that census back 30 years ago or so, I was in, born in Bethlehem, so like, I have all of the credentials, I, I am the son of God, you've seen all my miracles. Uh, you know, Jesus could have set the record straight, he had everyone's attention. And instead, he gives like the most cryptic the most cryptic statement he could possibly give, he really needed a better publicist. He needed someone reading this for him and telling him, you know, this is really what you ought to say. You really ought to clear things up, Jesus. But in fact, Jesus says something that is so cryptic at this moment that, that John feels the need to clarify what Jesus says in, in parentheses after, after Jesus' words. John has to go back and, and try to make sense of it. And Jesus' statement here, it's like so loaded. It's, it's so cryptic. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's so kind of multifaceted. I, it's the kind of passage that if, if you would indulge me, I could sit here and, or stand here and and I could like pull threads on this for for hours. Uh, there There's kind of like no end to the reading into this that that we could do. Um, and so to save you from that, I, there's one thread that I'm going to pull, and it's a it's a it's a thread that just begs to be pulled out from from this passage. And, and so the one, the one thread that just has to be pulled is, is that Jesus says, says the scripture says their hearts will be, will flow with rivers of living water. Rivers of living water will flow from their hearts. Um, and, and the reason that that is like such a tempting, tempting thing to, to pull on here is because Jesus says, as the scriptures say, um, but in fact, Jesus is not quoting any scripture when he says that. There is no Old Testament passage that says exactly the words that Jesus said here, or that John records as Jesus saying. And so either we're like a little confused in the passing down of the story, or Jesus is summarizing, or or we don't know. And so uh, we go into speculation. (laughs) And uh, there's all kinds of speculation that happens. Like there certainly was some scripture that would have been used in that water pouring out uh, ceremony, and so maybe that there's something close to like maybe in Psalm 118. That's like the psalm, the go-to psalm. It seems like maybe in Psalm 118, there's something close to that, but there's not really anything that's super close to it. In in Joel chapter two, there's something that's close, but not not super close there's stuff in in i think it's zephaniah that's like close but not really and so not knowing exactly and uh and like trying to focus i'm i'm just going to to ask that you you trust me here for a second and uh that we instead of going through the study of all of the different passages that we could study we we narrow in on Jer- jeremiah chapter 2 and and i'm going to just Compare what Jesus says to to Jeremiah chapter two, and uh, I, I hope that um, I hope that maybe you'll agree with me that this could be what Jesus had in mind in Jeremiah chapter two if you if you were to turn there you, it, it's a really delightful Memorial Day weekend read Jeremiah chapter two is the Lord basically lays his entire case against God's people in Jerusalem, so God's people in Jerusalem they've rebelled. Uh, they've listened to false prophets. They've continued the practice of of, of uh, worshiping idols, which their ancestors had, had started. They they are listening to wicked rulers. They're, they're doing all of the things that God has said. Don't do those things. Basically, anything that God said don't do, they are doing. And so in Jeremiah chapter 2, God says, Here's, here it is. Here's the list. You're doing all of these things that you know you're not supposed to be doing, and you're doing them. And and God just lays out this this entire argument against his people. And then in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, he says, for my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. The imagery is is supposed to be really stark here, uh, comparing living water in cisterns, and it's not really stark for us because we don't really know <laughs> what Jeremiah or God is talking about in, in this passage. Cistern water is gross. Like that's, This is what you need to know about cisterns. Cisterns are gross water. If uh, There are farmhouses around, I'm sure. I know in central Washington lots of farmhouses have cisterns. They're gross. They're gross. It's just, there's nothing like modern cisterns. The the sediments from the water, it doesn't matter how clean a water you put in it, it's got sediment in it and it and it settles out. When uh, when COVID was like really raging and and life was shut down, I was a board missionary in Ecuador and uh, our seminary campus had a cistern and and I thought, well, it'd be something to do. I'm gonna go clean out the cistern. And so we used the water that was in the cistern in our in our system and then once it was empty uh I climbed down in and and there's you know like it gets cleaned occasionally and there was a layer of muck in the bottom and like tons of spiders three frogs that we found in there and you you kind of just like it's just kind of gross you know it's just gross and you you think I, well, I'm glad we filter our water before we drink it, but there's only so much that a filter can take out, right? It's, cisterns are gross. And, and in the ancient Near East, cisterns were particularly gross. Uh, in the ancient Near East, houses were built usually around like a little courtyard and all the roofs sloping in to, to gather the water to that courtyard. And then under that courtyard, there would be a cistern dug, and and so the water would run when it would rain into the cistern in the middle of the house. The thing is that in the middle of the house in that courtyard, it was also the safest place for for livestock to be at night. So you know, if the family had a goat for milk every night, the goat comes in and hangs out in that cistern or in that in that courtyard. And then if it happens to rain, whatever the goat has left, it it washes with the rainwater into the cistern. A few chapters later in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah gets thrown into a cistern uh, as a punishment for preaching unpopular messages. And he gets stuck in the muck at the bottom of the cistern so deep that strong men have to throw ropes down and put them under his armpits and lift him out of the muck. Cistern water is gross. Uh, And... And so people would choose you know most people would choose if they had the option to carry water rather than use that cistern water for for drinking um, but that cistern water would be you know animal water at least, and maybe washing water if you were really if you're brave i suppose and Jeremiah says the lord is is upset with his people because they've they've abandoned they've abandoned him not just for gross, disgusting cistern water, but for cisterns that don't even hold the disgusting water they're supposed to hold. They, they have abandoned him for, for cracked cisterns. And the, the the passage contrasts broken cisterns with living water. When the Bible talks about living water, it's not generally anything like spiritual or, or mystical. Living water just means moving water. Um, it you know streams and rivers, and springs, are are living water as opposed to dead water, or unmoving water like murky reservoirs, or or dirty cisterns. Living water is always to be preferred. Uh, when you're when you're out in the back country and you're you're looking for water, you would rather you would rather take water out of a stream than a lake because stream water is fresh and flowing. Lake water that can get that yucky, like, like soup skin on the top, you know? It's kind of yucky. And so, <laughs> living water is to be preferred. In Jeremiah 2, God just can't believe, can't believe that his people would choose disgusting cisterns that don't even hold the gross water they're supposed to hold. Uh over the living water that, that he provides. And the Lord is angry with his people because they've abandoned him, the fountain of living water. And living water isn't a spiritual thing until God says, I am the living water that you have abandoned, uh, that, that they are choosing these waters stored in their own disgusting broken cisterns. And and the imagery is clear enough, right? The imagery is clear enough that, that God could refresh and empower his people. God is a constant supply of the of the energy and clarity of thought and and the wisdom to know and to do God's will. God is constantly providing it. God is always offering his mercy so that his people can do what he has called them to do god is always giving to to god's people always 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 providing but instead people choose dirty water that makes them sick we we choose to do things on our own power we choose to to rely on our own strength and our own wisdom We we choose to trust in things that are not God that can't offer us a constant supply of good and fresh energy and wisdom and insight for following God. And so Jesus promised that that when people came to him, going back to John John 7, when, when people would come to him, they would have rivers of living water flowing from their hearts. John tells us, this is exactly what happened on Pentecost. When the, Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit of God is poured out on people, it is as if they have gone. No, it's not as if they have gone. It is going from trusting in your own feeble strength and your own fickle resolution And when we follow Jesus, the Spirit comes with constantly flowing, fresh inspiration, fresh wisdom, fresh resolve, fresh insight. The Spirit is constantly available to us, always moving through us. Limitless strength, limitless energy to know and to do God's will. Now, there's one other like tiny just micro thread. I'm not pulling this thread. It's just I just have to highlight there's just one other thing that Jesus says here that we have to we have to acknowledge. And and that is that Jesus says those who are thirsty. Those who are thirsty. Jesus is offering to anyone who would risk coming to him. The whole world is focused in on on the middle of the temple at the altar. Jesus steps into the the light. Anybody here thirsty? Anybody here want what I have to offer? And Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Rivers of living water will flow from your heart. Simply by believing in Jesus. Okay, so... It sounds like I'm offering a miracle cure, right? I think it's very easy to read John, John 7 and Jeremiah 2 and say, well, it's obvious that God wants to just make it easy. It's the easy button, right? God is giving us the easy button. All we have to do is hit the easy button, accept the Holy Spirit, and then I'm going to be able to know God's will and do God's will. The fruit of the Spirit, it's just going to be so evident in my life because the the Spirit is moving and it's just going to, my life is just going to be bursting with, and I'm not going to have to do anything. I mean, here's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's working, right? It's just going to, it's just going to, I am going to be a super Christian, easy, because the Holy Spirit's moving, right? Isn't that what Jesus says? Like, come to Him, rivers of living water, ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is going to be simple. And we, we can kind of think that, <laughs> but then comes life. And, and we, we may go through bursts of Spirit-empowered, easy Christian living, right? I think we have all had those moments where we would say, the river of the Spirit is raging in my life right now. We've had those mountaintop experiences where where God is evident and we know His will and we are ready to do it we've had those those seasons of life where man it seems like the spirit the fruit of the spirit is just like it comes easy to be patient with my kids man I wish those seasons would last we we discover though that oftentimes like temptation it's still tempting and and the fruit of the spirit it doesn't just ripen on its own and god's will is mysterious and difficult when we do figure it out and it and it's like this spring of living water that was that was running this river that was was raging through us it it's like seasonal it's like it's come down and it's just like to that to that trickle that it will be at labor day cuz when spring begins the the snows melt and the the waters flow and everything everything seems to burst forth with life and then and then the sun really starts to bake down and the once rushing rivers they become lazy waters the springs that flow with life they they dwindle down To nothing but a trickle. Because we live in a a world where there are seasons. I I think this is something that derails a lot of people in their Christian faith. Not acknowledging the fact that we are seasonal. We go through periods of of springtime in, in our Christian life. The Spirit moves powerfully and amazingly. And we go through fall. We go through those dry, hot summer months when, when that once rushing flow comes down to, to just a trickle. Because our human hearts, we, we ebb and we flow. We, we come and we go. We are seasonal. God designed the seasons for us, I think. We we sometimes think like, okay, I've gone through a, a few seasons of being really faithful to God and and now I'm kinda set. Like our Christian work is complete. Uh I, I think this is such a natural part of our lives. I I'd I'd encourage you to like continue to have this conversation with yourself and with others. To think about the ebb and the flow in your own life. Maybe if you're with your small group this week or or if you're talking with your family about, about life, maybe think about those times when when the Spirit has really been moving. What was it that brought those seasons on? What was your attitude and what what came before that? And then it's okay to talk about the ebb times. Talk about the times when... And it's just seemed like it's come down to a trickle. And how did we get through those times? How do we how do we continue to, to move on? Let me let me say before before you hear me saying the thing I'm not saying, God is not seasonal. God is not seasonal. We are seasonal. Our hearts ebb and flow. God is constantly available to us. God's spirit is always ready to empower us. But the the spirit that has moved you through the past six months, it's it's not enough to get you through the next six. And and, and so this is why this is why Jesus I think and why I want to highlight Jesus says. Anyone who's thirsty. Anyone who is thirsty. Anyone who will just admit, I I need you, Jesus. I believe that you can help me in this, Jesus. I believe that, that you can help me to know and to do your will, Jesus. I believe that and I need you, Jesus, to help the fruit of the Spirit come to life in me. I, I need you, Jesus, to, to make me the person that you are creating me to be. So Jesus says, when, if we are thirsty, and we believe in him and admit our need for him, rivers of life will flow from that person's heart. Will you let me pray for you. We'll invite the Spirit to come and, and move among us. God, we, we love you. We thank you for this promise of our Savior, this promise that we, Lord, could have rivers of living water flowing from our hearts. We thank you, God, that Jesus has offered to all who are thirsty to come and drink. And so, God, this morning, we admit our need for you. We admit that that we long for your spirit to empower us. We have a dream, God, that you could make make being a Jesus follower something easy for us to do. And, and God, we pray for many, many of those seasons where, where the river of the Spirit is flowing in our lives. But we know the reality of our hearts. and We know the truth that regardless of how, how powerful the river of the Spirit has moved in the past, that's not enough for this week to come. And so, God, we come to you thirsty, longing for your Spirit to move in us today, for today, so that today we could know and do your will. Today, the fruit of your Spirit would be evident in our lives. Today, we would have wisdom to speak and to listen and to be the men and women that you have called us to be, God. And we pray that you would give us the wisdom, and the strength to admit our thirst for you tomorrow. And that as each day comes, we would look for water for that day. We would look for for the provision of your Spirit for each moment. Knowing, God, that we are cracked and broken cisterns trying to do it on our own. We, we just can't. It's gross. It makes us sick when we try to do it on our own, God. But when you are at work in us, we can have constant refreshment, constant renewal, constant wisdom, constant communion with you, and so god for each moment this week to come would you remind us to turn for to you for it we come to jesus and we say we are thirsty we are in need of you i pray that you would empower my my brothers and sisters this week to do just that help each of us god To turn moment by moment, day by day. And experience your goodness, God. We love you, Lord. And we give this this time to you. We give this week to come to you. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the First NAS Podcast. We hope to see you soon in person at 1700 8th Street in Lewiston.